would please turn in the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16 is where we are. And we are focusing on verses 13 and 14. Let's pray and then we'll read 13 and 14. Father, help us. Even as we just sang, they will know we are Christians by our love. And yet, Father, let us understand the love that we have in our hearts poured by the person of your Spirit in the souls of your people. So, Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And, Father, even as this church in Corinth so many years ago was warned, we stand this day warned not to repeat their mistakes. Father, hear as we gather in your name May we have ears and souls gloriously seeking these magnificent truths. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk together side by side, helping one another to your glory, to your praise. In Christ's name, amen. 13 and 14. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Okay, in the original language, these are five imperatives. Okay, and I shared with you last week that an imperative is a command. Okay, actually, if you go back to the regular uh, secular Greek, you will find that these are military commands. And um, if you know anything about the militaries, uh, when a military command is given, it is never questioned. Okay, and yet we will question these. But yet I watch this text unfold, and in 15 chapters, I see 15 chapters of rebuke. I see 15 chapters of admonishing these people, and yet in five simple commands, Paul literally can reverse everything that he's rebuked them for. That's fascinating to me. This 16th chapter is a little bit chopped up, and and, and in it being chopped up a little bit, you you know, you got the giving thing, and then you've got what ministry looks like, and now we're in these commands, and then there's some things to specific people in the body of Christ there in Corinth. And you sit there and go, what the heck is all of this? And the truth of the matter is, it's just simple. I have rebuked you, and I shared with you, if you take the two letter to the Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, you got 29 chapters of rebuking. No church in the New Testament has that much chastening going on in it. But you got to give the Corinthians credit. No matter what they did, they did it with gusto. Even if it was sinning, they did it well. And so Paul, in five commands basically can overthrow all of their problems. I find that fascinating. I'm a person who likes to keep it simple. All right? And yet I watch people who... And and you know what? We're going to watch this because there is an underlying thing that laces this all together, and it is this very single thing that's killing the church today in America. Okay? And, and And you... It will become very apparent... All right? It's not hidden. All right? But there's five commands here. We looked last week. Be alert. Okay, the word there literally is the word we get Gregory from, and it means to watch. 
It means to stay out of a stupor. You know, pay attention. Okay, and if you look at the word, it is used, and we looked at it last week in 1 Thessalonians 5, that it is used two, to- two times in that text, and one time speaks of physically, be awake, wake up, be watchful. Or it can be spiritual. The context that is here is spiritual. The Corinthian church were having a serious spiritual problem. All right, and, and I see this in the body of Christ today. I see arrogance in the body of Christ today. All right, and there are ways to watch for that arrogance. Okay, and one of them is don't be in a stupor. Don't be asleep. Pay attention. See, because we have to watch for Satan. We are told to watch for Satan. We are told to watch for the enemy. We are, we are told to watch for temptation. We are told to watch out for apathy. Don't become complacent. We are told to watch out for false teachers and false teaching. We are told to watch out for prayerlessness. And we are told to watch for the Lord's return. All right? And, and yet, if you think about that, do you see how they all kind of tie together? How do I watch for the work of Satan in his minions? How do I watch for temptation? How do I guard myself against it? And I dealt with this all last week. How do I guard myself against apathy like the church in Sardis? How do I watch out for false teachers and false doctrine? How do I watch out for prayerlessness? How do I watch for the Lord's return? It's very simple. Through the Word. Through the Word. I mean, I can watch out for my enemy very simply. He's going to run three plays at me. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now, where did I learn that information from? Scripture. How do I watch out for temptations? The things that linger out there, the things that are traps for us. I filter everything through Scripture. How do I watch out for apathy? You stay in the Scripture, you cannot become apathetic. It's impossible, I tell you that. If you are apathetic or discontent in your walk, then I know that you're not in the book. Okay? How do I watch out for false doctrine and false teachers? Know what true doctrine and true teachers are. How do I watch out for prayerlessness? You know what? I learned a long time ago, and I will tell you, it was a very difficult lesson for me to learn that the Scriptures will drive me to prayer and prayer will drive me to the Scriptures. How do I watch for the Lord's return? Okay, why? Watch for the Scriptures. Okay, now he uses a second phrase here, and it's kind of in its own. It says, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Okay, I think this is one of the most frustrating things that I deal with as a pastor. Okay, do you stand for what you believe? Do you? Okay, Um, too many... Today are are just afloat. I mean, and, and it can be individuals, uh, but I also see it in in uh, churches. I see whole segments of churches that are just adrift. They don't stand for anything. They don't uh, they don't apply to anything. They just sort of just blown around. You know, I heard a pastor a number of years ago. He says the churches right now are trying things. 
that were used in the secular system that haven't even had a chance to fail in the secular system. And the church is trying to use them. And, and, and it's just drifting. And, you know, and, and, and I see many in the church and I see many churches that are just kind of going with the wind. You know, wow, well, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and you know what? What do you believe? Let me, I love you guys, but my faith will not save any of you. Okay, I can't get you there. I can't lead you there. I can't make you do it. And yet it goes back to what I was trying to give you an emphasis on. What does the Bible say and what do you believe in? You know, we always talk about the miracles in, in the Bible and we say, well, that's totally cool and all the rest of it. And, and I think about one time when an axe head floated in water. You ever thought about that for a second? Big old chunk of, it could have been iron or bronze, and it floated. Okay, now there's some other things when the shadow went backwards and when the sun stopped, you know, minor details. When the Jordan River backed up uh, in flood stage, um, you know, we won't get into Pharaoh and the Red Sea problem. Okay, because some people say, well, you know, that that just means that Red Sea is actually a translation of the Reed Sea. So it was very, very shallow. Well, cool. God drowned Pharaoh's army in three inches of water. However you cut that sucker, you still got to go, huh, (laughs) there you go. All right. But I got to ask you a question. Does your life look like it's lived that way? I mean, the 15th chapter deals with your bodily resurrection. Do you live a life that looks like I'm expecting a bodily resurrection and I'm going to live in that power that is poured upon me today? And that's what he's saying here. Stand firm in the faith. Definite article. You know what that means? Uh, he's got two words here, standing firm in the faith. The, the word stand there is in the little Greek is stako. And every time I read that word, I keep thinking driving a stake into the ground. Why? It ain't moving. It's a stako. It, 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 it's rooted. It stands. I don't care what you bring against it. Remember, you can build your house on sifting sand or you can build your house on the rock. Let me tell you something about both of the houses. The storms will come. That there is one of them things that that guy said, a guarantee. All right, you will get hit. And you know what? What you build on will be evident to all. But there are so many out there who are just blowing around. Listen, you don't have to consider every point of doctrine an open question. The Bereans were considered what? Noble. Do you know why? They searched the scriptures to see if what was said was true. You don't have to be blowed around. You don't have to battle with it. Well, does it mean, you know, I hear people saying, well, could Christ have sin? The Bible is pretty clear about it. No, 
Well, but then that cheapens his grace. Tell him that when you see him. Okay, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Well, if he couldn't have sinned, then it really wasn't that big a deal. Really? To leave heaven and to come down here wasn't that big a deal. Right? Do you see the silliness of that argument? Well, do you know God is so powerful that he created through evolution? Really? Well, yeah, everybody knows that. It's obvious. Really, Moses didn't know that. You know what's really bizarre? Jesus didn't know that. Bummer. Okay, I'm glad you figured it out, though. Why? What are you standing on? Do you really believe that science is now the interpreter of Scripture? I got into trouble for this. Well, we have a new document out. It's going to be a new credo that says we're going to call it creation science. And I said, will you sign this and validate that God? I said, there's no way that science can prove creation. Well, how can you say that? Well, first of all, you got to go find nothing. That ought to keep you busy. Okay, because if you're going to prove creation, then you have to start with nothing. And everywhere you go, you've got something. So how do you do that? But see, what do you stand on? You know, that's why I, I told some people, and they got cranky about it. Some of them did. They got cranky. I said, I study Scripture for one reason, to convince myself. I don't want to stand up here and say, I think this is what this says. When I teach, I am convinced of what I'm saying. And you know what? I worked at it. And I hate to break the news to you. I argued with it. I will take the text and I will wrestle with it unrelenting until I am convinced of it. Well, that doesn't sound real spiritual. Really? What is your foundation on? And when it hits you, how do you work with it? There are too many in the body of Christ today who are being blown around in the faith. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthians here. The Corinthians needed this. You need to stand on what you know. You need to stand on it. You hear it today. I hear it all over the place. Listen, the faith, definite article, that is the content. Now, please hear me. It is the content of God's revelation. The faith ain't some kind of spiritual mumbo jumbo thing. Well, I believe. Okay, it's a positive confession. No, it is what has God given us as evidence. Here it is. Standing fast in the faith. Standing fast in the gospel. It's like Jude, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. It goes back to this simple premise. Hold to the word of God. I don't care how insane it seems. It is still the word of God. I do not understand why God tolerates any of us. That seems insane to me. But he does. And I'm grateful. Am I holding to the gospel? 
Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. You know what that means? There will be a war for this book. He says, guard the faith to Timothy. You know what that means, right? Somebody's trying to steal it. They're wanting to fight you over it and they're wanting to steal it. And I got to ask you a personal question. How are you doing? How are you standing in light of God's content that he has revealed to you? We need to fight. We need to hold on. We need to grasp this faith and cling to it. Because you know what? You have an adversary who wants to wrestle this faith away from you. Think about it. The first attack was what? Has God said? Do you know what he's doing today? Has God said? In 6,000 years, he hasn't changed. I, and this, let's be realistic. Adam and Eve had a little Bible. I mean, how long would it take you to memorize that whole bugger? Don't touch the tree of truth and knowledge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No. See, you all missed it. He said, don't eat of it. He didn't say anything about touching it. And Eve had already screwed up the first memory verse. Can't believe it. And yet, what do we do? I know this. No temptation that sees you, but that is common to man. And God is faithful. And He provides a way out that you may stand under it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Hmm. Why? And you know what? There are times when I get into a conflict that those are the two things that I'm going to grab a hold of, and I'm going to rest full weight on them, and they ain't nothing ever created will steal that from me and I will fight. You got that? Where about you? Listen, that ain't going to help you. Listen, when I look at what the Corinthians were doing, I look at the church today and say, look, a clone. I see churches today who are striving to be just like the Corinthians. And when I watch it, I'm thinking, have you not read the letter? You don't want to be like the Corinthians. They were rebuked. They were admonished. You know why? One, they weren't alert. They were in a stupor. Okay? But second, they were holding firm to nothing. Listen, when I read this text, I, I, got, I asked some, some questions. Okay? What is the basic bottom line? On the faith. Okay. Basic bottom line. You will not change me on this. Basic bottom line. Okay. That's how I study. Sorry. I know you think that I do some kind of. No. I look at this and say. Bang. Foundation. You can't move this. Right. What is it? First thing. This thing. This book. Is revealed by God. This is God's word. Okay. The content of the gospel. Is a supernaturally. Revealed by God. And has no equal. 
period. Okay? Theologians call it a revelatory faith. A revelatory faith. Okay? Listen, Corinthians were clueless. Okay? And I see this in the church today. And even some of you in this room. I'll, you know, how do you know that? Chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Here's what it says. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And you know what is insane? The church has immersed itself in the wisdom of the world. Look at the church today. It is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. We have taken psychology. We have taken um, marketing. We, you know, if you do a demographic study, you can find out what? Are you telling me that the demographics of the gospel is based on what? Well, you've got to be able to reach the young people and the old people and the infants and the young married and the up and coming and the divorcees and what? You just took the wisdom of man, the philosophy of humanity and says, watch, I'll make the gospel better. Really? Well, you know that we all have a very low self-esteem and if you just keep dealing with sin all the time, hey, the people aren't going to stand for it. You know what? Then leave. Okay? And you can pay the penalty of your own sin. Knock yourself out. The bill is coming due. Okay? I, is that really what we're here? Well, we're supposed to build a church. No, I thought Jesus said He was going to do that. I don't understand that. that, that how complicated is this? The foolishness of, listen, the Corinthians is doing this. We're doing, sorry. We're doing the same thing the Corinthians were doing. What? We were looking to human wisdom, the debater, the really smart people. You know, we've got to have theologians. Why don't you have a doctorate in theology somewhere? What was Peter's doctorate in? Just walking on water. As long as he didn't look down. Verse 21, for since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. Do you see that? It took divine intervention to get the world to see God. The wisdom of man couldn't even find him. How insane. And therefore, let's take that insanity and put it in the church and watch. See, Linsky put a, used the word, and I thought it was phenomenal. The Corinthians had allowed human wisdom to infest the church. What is that today? 
You know what? I had, I had a guy just a, a week ago. He said, well, you, you and the Baptists, you guys call those guys preachers. I said, what? He said, well, ain't that what the pastors in Baptist churches are called? Preachers? Yes, yeah, sometimes. I said, what I, what I do is preaching. And he says, well, you know, we more like to think of it as counseling or mentoring. Really? That's what psychologists do. Okay, and that's weird because psychologists claim that they, they will fix the psyche, the soul of man. Okay? It's really crazy because the Bible says that the Word of God will perfect the soul. Huh? And it doesn't even say, I need you. I need Him. The Corinthians were accepting human wisdom, human philosophy, human ingenuity as equal with God's revelation. Look in the church today and tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. God's revelation has had lost its distinctiveness in the church in Corinth, and they were in serious trouble. Guess what? Look at the church in America today. The Word of God has lost its distinctiveness. See, human philosophies were being drug into the Corinthian assembly. You can't help it. You come to salvation, and regardless of the age, what do you bring with it? Human wisdom. But do you know what? God is so gracious and merciful that He just cuts that stuff right out of it. Mixing human philosophy, human wisdom, human understanding, human thoughts... And God's truth, you can't do it. It's like water and oil. That'd keep you busy trying to mix those two. But you know what? You'll never accomplish it. See, God's revelation cannot be equaled with any human wisdom at all. It's impossible. Okay? And toying with this idea that human philosophy is compatible with God's Revelation, it cuts right at the heart of Christianity. You can't do it. And yet, that's what it does. Look what he says in chapter 3, verse 18. Let no man, what? Deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. You know what that means? You gotta jettison your human wisdom. No, you can't just package it up in a little container over here. You have to remove it. And then upon removing it, then you will understand real wisdom. I mean, you, you think you're smart. Then you've missed it. Listen, you, I kind of think of it in this perspective. You have to subtract human wisdom. And then what's left is truth. <laughs> I know everybody's looking at me like, well, that ought to be complicated. But look at what you and I do. We will inundate ourselves with what? Human wisdom. And you wonder why you have a struggle. Why? You're trying to blend two unblendables. You can't put God's Word and mix it with human understanding. It won't fit. 
And Paul says here, you know what? Don't even deceive yourselves. They actually thought, well, you know, I'm just going to add this stuff to it. They were thinking of the human things. The the human understanding was equal level with God's revelation. Let me tell you something. That attacks the faith. And he says, you need to do what? Stand firm where? In the faith. I see this a lot. I, I, oh, I cannot even tell you how many battles that I have fought where the people said, well, there is more truth out there than God's word. Are you smart enough to know the difference? God says you're not. But if you think you are, perhaps he's wrong. I remember it's teaching a pastor one time and I said, none seek after God, no, not one. Well, that's not true. I've always sought after God. I just smiled at him and said, then mark that out of your Bible. And he got kind of cranky because he understood what I was telling him. Then God's word just lied because God's word says none seek after God. Bummer. What is it today? What do we see today? Listen, I can, I can tell you, I'm going to give you a, a, a thing that I, that I think summarizes this part of it is today in the body of Christ, okay, alive and thriving is this thinking, okay? Now, they won't verbalize this, but like James says, show me your faith. I will show you my works. Okay? Because every one of you in this room live by faith in something. And you know what? I see it. Okay? It's not hard to see what you and I put our trust in. Okay? But I want you to think about this. Today... Most Christians believe the Bible is simply a human commentary on a view of God that existed in the time in which it was written. And now we have to have a view of God that is more modern. Okay, and if you don't believe me, look around at Christianity today and tell me I'm wrong. You're doing polls on Christian beliefs? Why didn't I think of that? Okay, why do we have music ministries? Why do we have worship leaders or worship teams? Why do we have those? Can anybody tell me who led music for Paul? Anybody know? Most people think it was Luke or Barnabas. I don't know who it was. I'm still trying to figure out, did Jesus use a piano? I mean, he could have had an electric organ and just poof, spoke it into existence. Look, electric organ. Runs on batteries. What's batteries, Jesus? 
But you look around and what do you see? What you're saying is, is the basis of who God is, is what? Changing. Why? Because we're more modern, civilized. Really, but I thought God was unchangeable. All right, so the first thing that I think that I would say is to stand firm is that the basics that I'm looking at right now is that it's God's revelation. All right, second thing is the person of Christ. It's the person of Christ. You know, the Corinthians weren't even standing firm on that. Now, you would think that that would be it. But if I look at the church today, I would say, you know what? Today, we're not standing firm on the person of Christ. Think about it. He said it is really close to being finished. No, he said it is finished. What? You are now clothed in my righteousness. Now, you don't believe it, but that's all right. I'll drag you through enough that you believe it. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 2, he says this. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols. However you were led. You just followed anything. And it's to be realistic. Your religious worship really benefited nothing. Okay, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says what? So they definitely were not standing firm on the person of Jesus Christ. Would you agree? Because they were taking their pagan worship and trying to blend it into true worship. And you had these trances you had these ecstasies you had basically stuff that i call flipping out and they were calling it worship i'm what do you see today people are flipping out and i'm worshiping jesus hallelujah well how do you know cause i mean and this has happened really quickly in this uh in the church age within the last 10 years you go ask a person 10 years ago if they worshiped and they would come, they were coming out of a church and you ask them if they were worshiping and you, they would say yes. And you would say, how do you know you worship? You said, well, the word of God was preached. Okay. Ask them today. Did you worship? And if they acknowledge and say, yes, I have worshiped. How do they know? I felt wonderful. I had goosebumps. You know, the music was just heavenly. I remember a guy saying, God gave me a song. And the pastor looked at him and said, <laughs> he didn't want it, so he threw it out of heaven and you got it. Interesting concept. But we were warned in 1968. United States was. Do not believe that worshiping of God has anything to do with music. John Stott said it. Stephen Olford said it. Uh, what's his name? Um, Myers said it. And all these guys got up and they were trying to get the unity of the faith. And they said, if you are going to bring experience in to validate your worship, you will be in error. And guess what? The United States listened, didn't we? Look at it today. I remember the founder of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber. Some member of the Righteous Brothers. Okay? I like the Righteous Brothers. Okay, came to Christ. He's asked the question, what is the foundational beliefs of your 
theology, your understanding of who God is. He says we don't have one. We're in the process of bringing it together. All the vineyard publishing that you hear and music and all the rest of it makes sense, doesn't it? The founder of the vineyard was a songwriter. Okay? And you're telling me that after 2,000 years of the birth of the church and the apostles' doctrines, we don't have a theology? No, we're getting ours. Well, there you go. There you go. Basically, what you had in the church in Corinth is what you see in a lot of places today is pure paganism. And he says, you're just dumb idols. And they gotten so silly that people would literally stand up in the middle of the congregation and attack the person of Christ, cursing Jesus in the middle of the church service, claiming that it was some movement of the Spirit. The Corinthians were not standing fast. Definitely had no clue what the faith was. And when they were undermining the, the authority of the Word of God, they would literally curse Christ. Third thing comes in chapter 15, verse 12. They were not standing firm, the Corinthians. Why? Now, if Christ has preached that He was raised from the dead... How do some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Okay. Um, <laughs> they did not affirm the authority of Scripture as God's revelation. They were bringing human wisdom in there and thinking that that was even better. They definitely had no reality of who Christ was. And they didn't believe that they were there was a resurrection, a bodily resurrection from the dead. They were not standing in the faith. Paul says, be firm. Be firm in the faith. So when Paul tells them to stand in this, to be in this firmness, what is he saying? Go back to the authority of the Word. Go back to the person of Christ. Go back to the resurrection. Back up. Paul says in three phrases, and it reverses all the negatives. 1 Corinthians you know what? You could have taken, you got 29 chapters written to the Corinthians that we have. Okay. You literally could have wrote this letter in two verses if all the negatives weren't true about them. And yet two verses reverses all of the negatives. Be firm. You know, it's, it's funny because we miss this at times. There's a lot of things we are to be firm in, and I'll give you a list of them here before I conclude. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, now this is an amazing church here in, in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul was there for a very, very short time, and yet what God is doing in the Thessalonican church is, is miraculous, is, is the only way I can describe it. What God had done there had been heard throughout Christianity, and they didn't even have a radio or television program. That's pretty good. In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, So then, brother, stand firm okay, and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Okay? Do you see what he's trying to get at here? He, in the context, he says, We give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. 
That's how it worked. And then verse 14, he says, it was for this he called you through our gospel. Hmm. He said there by faith in the truth and hmm, by the gospel, hmm, that you may gain glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do I gain glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Standing firm in the faith given once for all. That isn't, well, that's deep. No, read it. How about people say, well, that's just amazing. That means you didn't read your Bible. It's always been in there for years. I didn't just find it. We are to stand. Because there is a war. Stand. Hold on. Cling. Listen, do you see the key? Listen, if you go through these and I can summarize this message, I mean, it's going to take five weeks to get through it. We're two weeks into it. I want you to be alert. I want you to be firm. I want you to be mature. I want you to be strong. I want you to be loving. I wonder how you do that. What would be the key to all five of those? It'd be the Bible. If I want to be alert, I'll be in the Bible. If I want to be stand firm, I'll be in the Bible. If I want to be mature, hmm, I want to be in the Bible. I want to be strong. I'll think of something. I'll go to the gym. No, be in the Bible. You want to be loving? We'll be in the Bible. You've got to look to the Word, brothers and sisters. It is that simple. I wish it was more complicated. If you're going to be firm, you're going to know what the doctrine of the Word is. If I'm going to stand in it. You know, it's like spiritual gifts. I literally preached my heart out on spiritual gifts and I had people who left this church and said, well, he doesn't believe in spiritual gifts. And I kept thinking, what message did they hear? Because I started every message. I think I did about 18 weeks on spiritual gifts and every message says, I believe in spiritual gifts. Why? It's in the Bible. Well, he doesn't believe in spiritual gifts. Uh, well, it's obvious the gift of interpretation ain't working. But anyway, but that's the kind of stuff you just sit there and go, well, there you go. You know, well, have you ever tried this in the church? No. Why? It's not in the Bible. Listen, if if success of this church is how many people I can get in here, next week is going to be a cooker because I'm going to put a big screen TV out there, free beer and hot dogs. I bet I get a crowd. Okay? But I wonder whose wisdom I would be using. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? That ain't success. Drawing a crowd? I mean... When I look at Peter and John preaching in the temple, they got a crowd. And you know what? People wanted to lay hands on them and beat them. I don't know if I want a crowd. <laughs> I, I, that's the kind of stuff that I, you just read it and you go, well, I don't, I don't understand this. You must stay in the Word. Listen. I'm going to give you a list here and you can go look them up yourself because we're running a little time here. Okay, if you're going to be firm, okay, I want you to stand firm in the faith. 
Okay, let me give you some things here and you can just go through them. Being firm, what? In your devotion to Christ. Philippians 4.1. Philippians 4.1. In your devotion to Christ. I want you to be firm in your unity. Philippians 1.27. Okay, in your unity. I want you to be firm in your freedom. I don't want people to make you legalist. I don't want you to become a Pharisee. All right. Galatians chapter five, verse one. I want you to be firm in the will of God. Firm in the will of God. Colossians 4.12. I want you to be firm against Satan, against our adversary. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 and 11. Okay, that is solid standing. The basics, the basics are God's word is God's word. It's supernaturally revealed. The person of who Christ is and resurrection foundations that you build off of that, that you will have a devotion to Christ. Philippians 4.1. You will have be firm in your unity. Philippians 1.27. You will be firm in your freedom. You won't become a legalist in Galatians 5.1. You will be firm and steadfast and movable in the will of God. Colossians 4.12. You will stand against the wiles of the enemy in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 and 11. Okay, you will not be blown around and tossed with every wind that comes down the pike. And I don't have to have a study guide. I don't have to have a a study on this or a book about this. I need to have my nose in the revealed content of the faith once for all the word of the Lord. I will not be tossed. I will not be seduced by the doctrine of demons. The Corinthians weren't firm. The Corinthians weren't alert. They weren't firm on the gospel. They weren't firm in their devotion to Christ. They weren't firm in their freedom. And they were not firm in the will of God. They were not firm against Satan. And they weren't in the word Enough. Okay? If you're not firm and you're not alert today, then guess what? You're not in the book enough. Now, listen, I'm not talking about books about the book. I'm talking about the book. Oh, what should I do? Here's what I want you to do. If you haven't ever done this and if you feel like you're just being tossed around and you're not alert and you're not aware and all the rest of it, I want you to take the New Testament. We'll get to the Old Testament and the eternity past. Maybe. Okay. I may just let him teach it when we all get to heaven. You teach it. <laughs> oh, wait. We already know it. Do you know why the letters that make up the New Testament were written? Just a question. Why are there four Gospels? Why is there the book of Acts? 
Why did Paul write the letter to the Romans? Why did Paul write 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians? They're written for a reason. They're not just, well, hey, you know, just throw some letters out there and see which ones work. They're all there for a reason. Do you know why? I mean, you got a little bitty letter in there, Philemon. What the heck is that for? That seems kind of silly. I mean, have you ever heard of the pastoral epistles? The problem is they're non-existent letters. They call them that. But if you read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, you will never see the phrase ever used. This is a pastoral epistle. I mean, it took me forever to figure out what epistle was. It's a letter. Well, why didn't they say letter? I can't think that I was missing something. I mean, I gave you an answer to one of them today. The book of Psalms. It means praises. Wow, you ever think about that? Praises, cool. The largest book in the Bible is a book of praises. The largest chapter written in Holy Scripture is chapter 119 of the book of Psalms, which would be praises. Guess what we should probably be doing a lot of? Just an idea. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Listen, I've never been to seminary. I have never been to, what do they call it, uh, Christian college. I have never been to, you know, that kind of stuff. I wasn't even raised in the church. I never could understand when I got saved. So we'll start in the middle of the book and read out. What? Yeah, start with the Gospel of John. Well, that ain't the middle. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? You know, people say, well, where did you get all of that? I read it. Where at? <laughs> Bible. <laughs> kind of interesting thought, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know that I have read the letter, first letter Corinthians every day now for almost nine years? But when I was a young man and I wasn't saved, I tried to destroy as many brain cells as often as I could. It's just something that I was good at. And... Um, so I haven't memorized it. But if you read it to me, I can probably tell you where it's at. All right? Uh, it just don't work. Um, you, you say, well, that's amazing. No, amazing was the 28 chapters of Matthew when I taught it for 11 years. And that was amazing because I kept thinking. That's why the next, next letter that I do is either going to be Jude or Philemon. <laughs> and then I'll probably take 14 or 15 years to preach it. Because I can read that in about... I can read that before I finish my first cup of coffee. All right, now here's the thing I want you to think about about it. Okay, I hate reading. Okay, if God wanted me to read, then why did He make cassette tapes? So then, I believe in spiritual gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Because the only reason that I would sit and read is if God said, here's the deal, dude. <laughs> and we can make it easy on you or we can make it rough on you. Which one do you want? Would you like to bear on your body the marks of me? Nah. Okay. Remember, he scourges those he loves. And I'm glad he just likes me. <laughs> 
please, brothers and sisters, if you don't, I watch people who will walk away from some of these messages like this and say, man, I got to go be alert and I got to go be firm and I got to go be mature and I got to be strong and I'm going to do it in love whether it kills me. And you know what? You'll do all of them if you just read and read with a purpose. Okay. I watch people just. I'm reading. You know, every time you do that, you're going to end up in the book of Psalms. It's the biggest one. Okay? Either that or Deuteronomy. (laughs) All right? And people say, well, why don't you do more in the Old Testament? I'm a New Testament guy. (laughs) Please, brothers and sisters, get in the book. Please get in the book. You want to see a devotion to God? To Christ, the person of Christ. You want to see a devotion to His will. To you want to see a devotion to your freedom in Christ. The ability to stand against our adversaries. You will only do it. Jesus Himself, when He was tempted by Satan, how did He defend Himself? He used the Scripture. And even when Satan used the Scripture to try to use it against Him, He could defend Himself with the Scripture. Interesting thought. Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And Lord, I just praise you for your word and the power that it has in your people. And Father, may we walk in a manner worthy of our high calling. Thank you, Lord, for my brother Paul. That, uh, so many years ago, the very battles that we fight this day, he has already fought. And yet, Father, he had victory upon victory upon victory. Father, grace us with victory as we draw near to you. Drink deep of your word, overwhelmed by your presence, overwhelmed by your your, your word and, and your ways. And Father, just give us hearts longing and thirsting to the word of the Lord, to your glory and to your praise. We thank you. Praise you for this day in Christ's name.